You're listening to the Pursue God Truth Podcast, the official channel for faith and life topics at PursueGod.org. Join us every week as we explore new topics from a biblical perspective. Okay, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Those are the verses we're going to cover today, and this is where Jesus encounters a blind beggar without any purpose in life. And the interaction that we're going to see here in this text begs a question for every pursuer who has lost his way. Here's the question. What's keeping you on the sidelines? We'll get to the text in just a second, but I want to just kind of throw out some examples of, you know, the things that might keep us on the sidelines in our pursuit of God. You know, some of you might be listening and you've lost your purpose Maybe you've lost your joy. Maybe you feel like even possibly that you've lost your faith in Jesus. You know, some of you might be disappointed with God. Maybe you've experienced some things in life, some, maybe some loss in life. You know, maybe you had the expectation, like we talked about last week, you had the expectation of something from, from Jesus and your expectations weren't met. Maybe you thought that, you know, following Jesus would make your marriage better but your marriage is still struggling. Or following Jesus would would make your teenagers more obedient, but they're still teenagers. Or, you know, maybe you're just disappointed with God because of a real, just a real grievous loss in your life. You know, a loved one, a family member um, who lost a battle to cancer, or a loved one or a family member who is still in addiction. The truth is that this kind of disappointment with God can can fool us into thinking that we don't want to pursue God anymore. It can fool us into thinking that it's better for us to be on the sidelines rather than on the road with Jesus, pursuing hard after him, like going to church, getting involved in small groups, discipling people, reading your Bible, you know, having a vibrant prayer life. I mean, let's be honest, through the ups and downs of life, it's easy to let disappointment with God, you know, sort of derail us in our pursuit of God. Or for some of you, maybe you're on the sidelines because of, you know, this constant battle with sin that you've been unable to conquer. So, you know, you're in bondage, maybe to pornography. Man, it seems like today there are more people than ever who have porn addictions. And, you know, 20, 30 years ago, maybe it was just a thing for guys, but now, now it's a thing for men and women. I mean, in my church, I... I know that men and women struggle with this. So maybe you're listening to this right now and you, you're on the sidelines because you have this constant addiction, you have this constant bondage, maybe it's some other sin, maybe, maybe some other addiction in your life, or just a, you know, just a sin that you recognize you've battled with for years and you just can't overcome it. It's so frustrating you just can't overcome it. And so here's one of the things that the enemy does to us is he uses that kind of struggle, that kind of trial to speak speak this message into our own minds, like, just give up, just give up on your pursuit of God. It's not even worth it. You know, he's not interested in you because you can't overcome this sin problem in your life. He, he you know, he can't do anything with you. You're not worthy of following Jesus. So just stop following him. You know, many of you have bought that lie. Maybe you came to faith when you were a young person, you know, and it's been decades and decades of struggle in sin. Well, today's message is for you because we're going to see that 
there's really no reason that we should stay in the sidelines in our pursuit of God, that Jesus wants all of us on the road with him. He wants all of us to follow him and experience the joy that comes from following him. And yes, even for you, I want you to know that he can overcome your addiction. He can overcome your bondage to sin. Jesus died for that. His arm is long enough and strong enough to save you. And I want you to be encouraged today, even as we look at the story for today. And you know, some of you might even just feel like you're on the sidelines, just in general, because you feel worthless. You, you feel like you feel like for whatever reason, skeletons in your closet, or for whatever reason, that, that God is not interested in you. He's not interested in, in someone like you pursuing him. And I just, I want you to hear this, that, that Jesus invites everyone into a relationship with him. He invites everyone to pursue him and to experience purpose and joy that comes from a wholehearted pursuit of God. So wherever you are, you know, if you're on the sidelines, wherever you are, if you feel like your pursuit of God has been sort of stalled out, or maybe you're in sort of a rut in your life, then today's, today's verses, today's passage, today's story, hopefully will be an inspiration to you. Because we're going to encounter a guy who was on the sidelines. His name was Bartimaeus, and he was sidelined not because of, you know, a feeling of unworthiness or because of disappointment with God or, or because of a sin struggle in his life. He was sidelined for a more, I don't know, uh, just a more obvious black and white reason. He was sidelined in life because he was a blind guy. And we're going to see that he's going to call out to Jesus, and the crowd is going to try to silence him and put him in his place. But we're going to see that Bartimaeus, he's, he's not going to relent. He is going, you know, he's like a model for all of us today. He's going to continue to pursue God in spite of his deficiency. So Mark chapter 10, let's start with verses 46 through 48. It says that the disciples and Jesus reached Jericho. Remember, they're on their way to Jerusalem. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, which literally means son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. Here's what he shouted. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But the people in the crowd yelled at him, be quiet. And I love what it says next. But he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the first thing I want to note is just, you know, this theme that we're going for in today's passage, and it's that just pay attention to where Bartimaeus is at the beginning of the story. He's beside the road. He's sitting beside the road. Obviously, he can't see Jesus, but he knows Jesus is in the vicinity. He's somewhere around, somewhere on the road, somewhere in the area, you know, Bartimaeus could tell that there are all these people that are excited. All these people are are following him. There's this, uh, you know, there's this this palpable sense of excitement as Jesus is passing through uh, Jericho. This is where they are. But Bartimaeus is beside the road. Bartimaeus isn't, you know, following behind Jesus. Bartimaeus isn't like in the game. What a what a good word picture here. Bartimaeus is sidelined. Now, why? Why is he sidelined? Because he's blind. I mean, you have to remember, blindness in Jesus's day 
was like a death sentence for people. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have opportunities like we do today. If you're, if you have, uh, you know, some kind of a disability like that in today's world, you can still move forward. You can still have a job. You can still advance in life. But back in Jesus's day, if you were a blind guy, you were literally reduced to begging. And this is exactly what Bartimaeus was. He was a beggar. That's all he could do. That was the only job he could get is just to beg for mercy that maybe somebody passing by would, would give him a couple of coins or, or give him some food to eat. Like this is what Bartimaeus's life was all about. He was desperate. He was, he was pitiful. He was poor. He was blind. And he was dependent on people for their mercy. And this is what he says. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's, he's asking Jesus for, I, I mean, what he had been conditioned to ask for his whole life. He just, he just needed mercy. Now, let's talk about names here for a second. Uh, there are two names that jump out in this passage. Number one is Bartimaeus, his name, and it literally means son of Timaeus. And I, I think that Mark gives this kind of detail because he doesn't always name the people in the story in the gospel of Mark. Remember, he Mark is the shortest of the four gospels, so he's really he's only going to give you the information that you really need to know. And so the, the question I think for us as readers is, well, why did he give this guy's name? Why did he give this information? It seems like it's not necessary in the story, but I think it is. I think I think that what he's setting us up for is is to be is to give some personality to Bartimaeus. He, he's telling us just a little bit more of his story. He's somebody's son. He's somebody's son. I mean, think about that. The next time you're walking through a city and somebody is asking for a handout, somebody is, somebody's begging for something, because we still have that in our culture today. The next time that happens, I want you to, I want you to think about the fact that that is somebody's son or daughter. Maybe the best way to think about it is Think about if that was your son or daughter. You know, they, you're not around to help them out or they've fallen on tough times and, and they're reduced to begging. They're reduced to calling out for mercy. Somebody have pity on me. Doesn't that change your perspective if you think about your own precious children with nobody to cover them anymore, nobody to help them, nobody su- to support them, nobody to be there for them in their time of need? This guy Bartimaeus, was somebody's son. He was Timaeus' son. He had a dad. He had a mom. At one point in life, he had people who cared about him, people who provided for him, people who wanted the best for him, people who had a vision for his life. You know, I think about my own kids. I, Tracy and I, we raise our kids. We, we've done everything we, we've, we could think of to do to set them up for a great life. This is what good parents do is they want their kids to have a better life than their own life. And it breaks my heart to think that that something might happen to us and then something might happen to them so that they're all alone. And they've got no one, no one to help them, no one to protect them, no one to cover them. If something, if something tragic happened in their life, some kind of disability happened to them, and now they were they're literally like they're out of a job, they're desperate and they're they're reduced to begging, that would Oh, that would destroy me. But what would I want as a parent? I would want someone to have mercy on my kid. 
If I couldn't do it, if I couldn't support them, if I couldn't help them, if they couldn't support themselves, if they were in a desperate situation like Bartimaeus is, I would just pray that someone would pay attention to them and would show them mercy. But notice the crowd in the story isn't showing Bartimaeus any mercy. They, you know, they probably knew this guy. He was a beggar. They had taken him for granted. And what are they doing in the story? They're saying, be quiet. Shut up. You have no place. You, you, have, you, have, no, you have no right to cry out. Jesus doesn't care about you. We don't care about you. Why would Jesus care about you? I mean, put yourself in the story. That's what's going on here. Bartimaeus is being silenced. Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus is, is being sort of held down by culture, by the crowd. Maybe some of you, that's how you feel in life. Maybe you feel like you're not worthy. Maybe, you, you, maybe you've bought into the lie that this world is feeding you, that God would not be interested in you, that, that, you have, that you have no right to call out to him, and he wouldn't even want to listen to you if you did. Well, we're going to see in a second how Jesus responds to this. But before we do that, I, one more name that we have to pull out. You know, we looked at Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. But do you notice, do you notice how Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus? He calls him son of David, right? So Bartimaeus is son of Timaeus. And he calls out to Jesus and he says, son of David, have mercy on me. And I think it's important to recognize that son of David was a messianic designation that shows that Bartimaeus recognized who Jesus was. Bartimaeus was Jewish, and any Jewish person that would have called Jesus the son of David would have meant by that, that I recognize you are the Messiah. So keep that in mind, even as we continue on in this story, that Bartimaeus knows who Jesus is. Now, he doesn't have a full picture. None of None of the disciples at this point had a full picture of who Jesus was. But Bartimaeus recognized that he wasn't just calling out to a rabbi. He wasn't just calling out to a good person. He wasn't just calling out to a miracle worker or to a prophet. Bartimaeus was calling out to the Messiah, to the Savior of Israel, to the Savior of the world. And, and I think it's important for us to understand, even as we read this story, you know, if you feel sidelined, spoiler alert, the, the answer to your problem, like to have purpose and joy, to get back you know, on the road, to get back to, to the fullness of life that God wants to give to you, the answer to all of that is to recognize who Jesus really is. The answer to all of that isn't you know, just to like, read a self-help book or find some religion <laughs> or some great teacher to follow. No, the answer, and this is, this is what the Bible testifies to from beginning to end, the answer to that in your life is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. And so here Bartimaeus is, and he is calling out to Jesus, and he says, I know that you're the son of David. I know that you're the Messiah. I know that you're not just the hope of the world, but you're the hope for me. And so Bartimaeus calls out in desperation for Jesus to help him, to, for Jesus to have mercy on him. The crowd is trying to put him in his place, but he ignores the crowd because, because desperate people ignore the crowd. And I want you to think about your own story right now. Again, if you feel sidelined, if you're desperate enough, you'll keep listening. You'll keep reading in the story and you'll see what, what Jesus does for Bartimaeus 
And hopefully in the story, you're going to see what he can do for you. Okay, so back to the text. Mark 10, let's look at verse 49 now to 51. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, my rabbi, I want to see. Now, there are a couple of things I want you to recognize in in these three verses. There's so much great stuff in here. First of all, I want you to notice, maybe underline in your Bible or highlight in your Bible, notice that, that when Jesus heard him, he stopped. So think about this for a second. I mean, let's zoom out and, and remind ourselves what Jesus and his disciples are doing right now. They had just left, left Galilee. He's, he's finished his public ministry. His ministry is now narrowing down on the cross. Jesus knows he's going to the cross. He's told his disciples this three different times. He told him in chapter 8, he told, told him in chapter 9, and he told him earlier in chapter 10. So Jesus is focused. He's intent. He knows what his mission is. This is what he came to do. He came to die for the, for the sins of the world. He came to, to be that, that sacrificial lamb. He came to, to be resurrected. All these things that we're going to read later on in the gospel of Mark, this is what Jesus came for, and he is focused on it. Like This is what he's, he's going to do. But look at what happens here, that he hears this one desperate, pitiful, very ignorable guy. I mean, he's been, this guy's been ignored by the crowds. He hears this one guy calling out in desperation, and Jesus does something so powerful and profound. He stops. He stops what he's doing. He's, he forgets about his ultimate goal and mission just for a moment. He stops to meet the needs of this one desperate guy. I think that's why Mark includes this story. You know, Mark, Mark as, the, as the author of this gospel, Mark is, he knows what he's doing. He knows that Jesus is on his way. He's made it clear that Jesus is on his way. He's got a mission to accomplish. But Mark also wants us to see that, that Jesus stopped for Bartimaeus because people matter to Jesus. You know, I think about this in my own life a lot of times. I'm, I'm kind of a single track kind of a guy. I know a lot, a lot of guys are like this. I'm totally like this. Ask my kids. And to my shame, there have been many times where I've been just so focused on work or, or whatever I'm engaged in, sometimes even just, you know, watching a game on TV, that I don't really stop to listen to my kids or to my wife. I don't, I don't really stop to engage and do the thing that's more meaningful in life. I'm so one-track minded. I'm so focused on, a lot of times on a good thing. I'm focused on a good thing that I, that I miss some of the other meaningful things. You know, relationships are inefficient. If, if, you're a, if you're a doer, if you're a workaholic, you need to hear this right now. Relationships for you get in the way of accomplishing your mission and doing your work. I get it, because that's me. I totally am there. But I want you to see in Jesus this example that even though he had the most important mission in the history of the world, I mean, he is going to go to the cross and die on the cross. There is no mission that we could be focused on in life that's more important than the mission that Jesus had at this moment in Mark chapter 10, and yet Jesus stopped. It was inefficient in the broader, in the broader picture. 
It wasn't particularly related to his broader mission, his most important mission to save the sins of the world, and yet Jesus stopped. He was willing to be inefficient because people matter to God. And you know what? I don't think he just wanted Bartimaeus to get the message. He wanted the crowd to get the message. Do you notice that he said to the crowd, tell him to come here? Why did, why did he engage the crowd in this? He, why didn't he just go straight to Bartimaeus? I think, I think he wanted to send a message to all of us. Because, I mean, really think about it. We're all sort of like in the crowd. We've all done this to people before where we say, shut up. God's not interested in you. You should be on the sideline. He's teaching a lesson to the crowd. He's engaging the crowd in this miracle. He wants them to really pay attention to it. In fact, he wants them to be a part of it. So Jesus said to the crowd, hey, you guys tell him to come here. You know, he knew that they'd been telling him to shut up and to be quiet, and he wasn't worthy. And now he says, no, you know what? I want you to tell him something different now. I want you to tell him to come here. And they did. They said, cheer up. Come on. He's calling you. So Jesus engages the crowd. And I want you to pay attention for, for a moment to what Bartimaeus does. As soon as he hears this, as soon as he hears that, that he's got Jesus' attention, that, that Jesus is calling him, it says that Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. Now, maybe, like me, you would have read right past that. But think about this through the eyes, no pun intended, of a blind guy. Okay, so Bartimaeus throws aside his coat. You know, if you were a blind guy... The last thing that you want to do is, is to throw your coat, like just, it's like throwing caution to the wind, like to throw your coat aside. Like if you're a blind guy, you want everything as close to you as possible because you might lose it. You might forget where you put it. So, so for Bartimaeus to throw aside his coat, to me, shows that he had expectant faith. It, to me, it shows that Bartimaeus knew that Jesus had the ability, he had the power, he had the willingness to heal him. I, I wonder if, Jesus, if Bartimaeus threw his coat aside because he knew that he would be able to see in just a few moments, he'd be able to see to pick it up. So he wasn't afraid anymore. It shows this, uh, to me, it just shows this, how this desperation had expectation behind it. He knew that Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, was going to heal him. And do you notice, did you notice the question that Jesus asked is a question that we literally just covered last week? Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Does that sound familiar? Remember when James and John came to Jesus in the previous episode? <laughs> James and John came to Jesus and he said, hey, give us, give us whatever we ask for. You know, they're asking him to write a blank check for them. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Literally the same question that he's asking Bartimaeus. But last time, James and John wanted glory. This time, the blind man, he just wants healing. Maybe that's how you are today as you feel sidelined. You know, you're not asking, you're not asking for half the kingdom. You just, there's just a simple thing. Like maybe you're saying, I just need to get over my addiction. I just need help with my sin problem. Or, or maybe you're saying, I, j I just need to know that you care. I just need to know that, that I matter. I just need to know that I have value in your eyes. Maybe for you, you, you totally can relate to Bartimaeus. I remember years ago when I, I had this, 
this uh, this cancer diagnosis. It wasn't cancer, but I didn't know that for three mu- for three weeks. For three weeks, I thought I had cancer. The doctors had misdiagnosed me, and I remember at that time, like I I my focus on Jesus was so simple. I wasn't asking for for glory. I wasn't asking for all these, you know, the kind of the stuff that James and John asked for last week. It was like so focused on on them and their reputation and like they were missing the whole point. I was too desperate for that. I just simply wanted health. And some of you, maybe, maybe that's what you need to hear Jesus asking you. He says, he's saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? And maybe your answer is just so simple. In fact, I encourage you even now, maybe hit pause on this podcast and just just even, even pray. You know, a lot of people think that prayers have to be fancy, that prayers have to be, you know, uh, filled with these and thous and really wordy and articulate. And not, that is so not true. That is so not true. I mean, the blind man just said, I want to see. That's it. That was, basically, that was his prayer. I want to see. It was so simple. It was so basic. So for you, don't, don't, don't have this pressure to come to God with this, this verbose prayer. Just simply come to him and say, here's what I need. I'm desperate for you. Here's what I need. You know, I encourage you to pray just a simple, authentic prayer and see what God can do with it. Now, one more thing I want you to pay attention to here in Bartimaeus' response. He says, my rabbi, but, but in the original Greek, he actually uses the word rabboni. So rabbi means my master or my teacher, but rabboni means my great master. It's actually the strengthened form of the word rabbi. And did you know that it only appears twice in the entire New Testament? This word, my great master, rabboni only appears right here in Mark 10, and the other place is in John chapter 20, verse 16. That's where Mary said to the resurrected Jesus, she, she says Rabboni, right? When she realizes that Jesus has been resurrected, she marries the only other person to give him this title. And so, again, this shows us that Bartimaeus knew whom he was talking to here. Bartimaeus knew that Jesus was the son of David was the great master. He knew that Jesus was really essentially what we would say today. He knew that Jesus was God. He knew that Jesus was the son of God. He knew that Jesus was the only one who could save him. And so for for all of us today, I think this should cause us to stop and think about this in our own lives, in our own story. It's not enough to cry out for mercy. It's not enough to be desperate. It's not enough even just to have faith. The object of your faith matters. This guy, Bartimaeus, was placing his faith in Jesus, his Rabboni, the great master, the son of David, the Messiah. He knew knew who Jesus was, and he was trusting in Jesus to save him, to deliver him, to give him purpose, to give him joy, to, to pull him off the sidelines in life. And the same is true for us. You know, when we when we come to this story, whenever we, we read the Bible, are we paying attention to who the Bible is ultimately about? It's about Jesus. It's not enough to come to God in some generic sense. It's not enough to have faith in some, in some general way. The object of your faith matters. Jesus, Jesus is the only one that can save us, that can deliver us, that can give us 
purpose that can give us life, that can give us hope. Isaiah 35, verses 4 and 5, it says, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. And you know who he is? He is Jesus. Jesus is the one who came to destroy his enemies. Jesus is the one who came to save us. Jesus is our Rabboni. Jesus is the great master. Jesus is God. And so here's how the story ended. Mark chapter 10, one, we only have one verse left, verse 52. It's really simple. It says this, and Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And it says that he followed Jesus down the road. So obviously notice what happens in the story. Jesus healed Bartimaeus. But I want you to pay attention to this. That was only the beginning. Once he was healed, Bartimaeus joined Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. Bartimaeus submitted his way to Jesus's way. I mean, you remember how we started the whole story. This whole story starts with Bartimaeus beside the road. He's sidelined. He's on the side of the road. He doesn't have purpose. He doesn't have direction. He, he's, he's without joy in life. He's desperate. He's in need of healing. And at the end of the story, not only is he healed, not only can he see, but at the end of the story, and I think Mark includes this on purpose. He wants us to see this. By the end of the story, he's following Jesus down the road. So he starts the story on the side of the road. He finishes the story on the road with Jesus. So let's go back to the question that we started with. You know, what's keeping you on the sidelines? For Bartimaeus, it was this, you know, this obvious physical problem that he had, that he was blind. And because of that, he was, he was worthless in his society. But, but again, for you, maybe, maybe you've just been wrestling with that disappointment with God. He didn't meet your expectations. Maybe you're mad at him. You're bitter at him. You, you know, you're, you, you've just stopped following him. You've kind of given up on your faith, on your pursuit of God. You know, God is calling you back. God is inviting you to follow him once again, because you won't be disappointed. In the long run, you will not be disappointed when you follow the Jesus of the Bible. Or maybe some of you, some of you are sidelined because of that bondage to sin. And maybe you've been trying to, you know, sort of overcome that sin problem on your own by yourself. And you, it's never going to work. You need to turn to Jesus to set you free from your sin problem. And sometimes that means turning to his people, confessing, confessing your struggle to someone, you know, to a mentor, to a pastor, to a friend in your life, and to say, look, I'm going to put this out in the open because, because I want to, I want to, I'm desperate enough, I'm desperate enough to finally turn to Jesus and get serious about this. If you're desperate enough, you'll ignore the crowd. You'll ignore, you know, all the reasons that you've made up in your own head not to come clean about that bondage to sin and you'll turn to him in faith, you'll turn to his people in faith, and, and God will deliver you. Just like he gave sight to Bartimaeus, God can give freedom to you, whatever that sin problem is for you. And you know, some of you are on the sideline just because you feel worthless. You've, you've bought the lie from the crowd, from the world, that you should just be quiet, that God's not interested in you, um, that a person like you could, could never get on the road with Jesus, that, that he would never want a person like you to follow him. And I, I think you need to see in this story 
that people matter to God. That means you matter to God. You were created in his image. He loves you. He died for you. And he wants he wants you to follow him. He wants you to experience life that is truly life. He wants you to he wants you to have the joy that comes from following Jesus. And that's the only place at the end of the day that's the that's the only way we can really have joy and fulfillment and purpose in life. Let's all learn from Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus chose to follow Jesus once he was physically able to do so. And so what's stopping you? You know, come off of the sidelines look to Jesus, call out to Jesus, and he'll invite you. He'll, he'll pull you into the game and you can follow him and experience the purpose and joy and the life that he came to bring us. I want to end with one more verse and it comes from another gospel, the gospel of Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. Here's what it says. And this is Jesus speaking. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. I mean, think about the fact that Bartimaeus wasn't the only blind guy in Jericho. He wasn't the only blind guy on the, on the path you know, that Jesus and his disciples took on their way to Jerusalem. There were a lot of people that were blind and lame and sick and there were a lot of desperate people in Jesus's day, but Bartimaeus is one of the few who spoke out. He's one of the few who turned to Jesus for rescue. And it's true today. There are so many people today that are in a place that I've just described. You know, they're on the sidelines. Maybe they followed God at one point. They were Christians at one point, and they've kind of fallen away. They've given up on Jesus for whatever reason. A lot of times it's because of the world. It's because of the crowd. I mean, Jesus is saying here is that the, the highway to hell is broad. There are so many more people who take the easy pathway. There's so many more people who give up on God and follow the way of this world or their own way or whatever. So few people decide to call out to Jesus. So few people in their desperation ask Jesus to give them sight. Jesus, help me to see things. You know, I mean, let's talk about spiritually now. Help me to see things the right way. You know, because all the stuff that sidelines us at the end of the day is because we, we buy the stuff that we see with our own eyes rather than trusting by faith that Jesus' way, that God's way is better. And so for many of us, we need to turn to him and, and really ask for, for the eyes to see things his way. God, help me to see things your way. Open my eyes to the truth of your word. Help me to find that narrow road. There are, not a lot, there are not a lot of people following Jesus, not only in his day, but even today. There are relatively few people who really get on the road with Jesus. There are so many people who are on a different path, but that broad path leads to hell. That broad path isn't worth it. And so learn from Bartimaeus. Look to Jesus with faith and get on the road with him. And that, that gateway is the gateway to life. That is the promise that we get from God's word. Hey, listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, 
would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit pursuegod.org forward slash donate.